Praise the Lord to you, Tree of Life Church, and those that are joining us. We're thankful that you're a part of our Wednesday night Bible study tonight, and I just pray and trust that you all are, are well tonight. And can we just take a, a few minutes, if you can stop what you're doing, if you're in a place uh, that you can take a minute, if we can just seek the Lord for just a few minutes and ask him to take off the cares of, the, of today and uh, let's pray for our pastor. I give honor to him that during these times that God speaks and, and gives him direction. Everything that's happening in the world and in our nation today, nothing is a surprise to God. And we just need to take the time to listen to him for direction. And uh, let's just take a few minutes and, and pray for our pastor, our congregation, our nation and world to, to take the time to, to listen to God speak because he's always speaking. If you can just join me for just a, a minute here. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, mighty God. We trust in you, Lord God. You're good. Lord God, you're good. And your mercies endure forever. Your grace is sufficient. And your name is this mighty strong tower, God, that we seek refuge in you, God. And I pray for direction for our congregation. I, I pray that you speak to our pastor and lead and guide him. In the, in the upcoming months and years, Lord God, should you tarry, Lord God, but that you continue to keep your hand on your church, God, and your hand on us. Speak to us as a congregation, as brothers and sisters, and you, Jesus, give us direction every day, Lord God, we pray and lift you up. We exalt you right now, God, above the cares of this world, above the, the troubles of the day, whatever we have faced today or are facing tomorrow, Lord God, that we can put those aside and exalt you above those, thing, God, th those things, God, because your ways are higher, your knowledge is higher, Lord God, and you know, Lord God, and we just trust that we're in your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name, we give you praise, God, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I just uh, have a brief thought tonight. I don't plan on, on being long at all, but something that God put on my heart today was uh, this thought, a revival in faith. And the direction that God is, has put on my heart is just the, where we are in, in the world and in the nation today. It's, it's crazy to think that we're halfway or completely through July almost, here another week left roughly, and uh, 2020 is, is, is halfway over. It's hard to believe that just less than a year ago, the things that we were preaching um, versus what we're preaching today, it's, it's so different. But there's a revival coming. There's a revival that started. I believe that there's a separation, a separation of the wheat and tares that has already happened and, or starting to happen. I, I believe it's actually started to happen thousands of years ago. With when God came in the flesh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and him pouring out his spirit and giving us his Holy, his Holy Spirit, and the spirit of Antichrist for a few thousand years have been battling, and, and we're seeing God work on his body through his Holy Spirit, and we're seeing the Antichrist pressure that and pressure the church. And I just want to talk about a revival of faith because I believe we're getting ready to see more and more people coming back to coming back to God or coming to God. Whatever it is, there's people right now, some that may hear this message that are dealing with this right now, with God pricking their heart, saying, come back to me or come to me for the first time, whatever it may be. But I believe God is, is truly pulling people towards him. At the same time, the Antichrist is pressuring us. 
and pressuring the church. And it's up to us to keep that faith, to remember that faith that the apostles preached, that Paul preached that I'm going to talk about for a few minutes tonight. And understand it's that faith in Christ that we have to continue to preach. It's a liberating message. Jesus Christ is a liberating message. The cross is a liberating message. And everything that the world is offering today is not liberating at all. All you have to do is turn on the news or look at a news feed. And it's all about clicks. Positive news doesn't get many clicks or viewers. So it's, it's, it's negative versus the word of God, which is true, and it's liberating. And that's what the world, whether they know it or not, is longing to hear. They're longing to hear somebody like us, somebody like you, to give them this liberating message and say, hey, you know what, turn that off. I've got a story for you. I've got a testimony for you. And I want to look at, um, to start Acts chapter 16, verse 5. And it says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. They were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. And I believe we're getting ready to see that happen again. I believe we're getting ready to see the numbers of our congregation and others grow in Jesus' name. I pray and believe that because the world is being pressed. Antichrist is pressing this world. And people are looking for something. The frustrations of what they see when they turn on the news is different than this message. And this is what they're longing to hear because there's only so much of the negative stuff that we can take. We all throw our arms up at somewhere, some point or another and say, I can't watch this anymore. I can't um, listen to this anymore. For the majority of my life, I've always said, I can't, I can't watch the news because it's one negative story after another. And it's only increased. And... God is pricking hearts today. He's pricking hearts tomorrow. And should he tarry, I I want to see, as long as I'm alive and he's tarrying, I want to see the new new sanctuary built and filled up. I want to hear testimonies of other churches being filled, people being baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and repenting of their sins and finding this truth because they're not hearing it anywhere else. But it says the numbers were increased. And, and I believe that a personal revival is the way that we're going to see these numbers increased. And just like a year ago, I, I, we started hearing preached, hey, things are happening. Things are getting ready to change. No way would I have seen what we've seen this year coming. But I, I pray and I want to see those, those numbers, those souls come to church. And I hope you do. I hope we all want to see that because that's what we're here for to share this good news, to, to spread this good news. And, and, and that's what the numbers being increased is about. Us. Let's have that beginning revival. Let's have that personal revival in the faith. And go back. Sometimes we have to go back to where, where it started with us, that walk with Christ, that, that, that beginning relationship, that new love, that sometimes, unfortunately, we got to a point where uh, it was, it, it's easy to have church as usual, or we come and, and we do, you know, our singing, praising and worship. We hear the word. We have a powerful altar call, and, and God has shaken that. 
God has said, I need you. I need each one of my people to have, an, a, have a personal revival within them. Because to have a strong foundation, to have a revival, God is saying, I need you to have a strong foundation. I'm thankful for Brother Rubio, our Spanish pastor, and, and, and the way that he is working our Bolda Vida. We're not seeing huge numbers now, but I believe that's going to happen because he's taken the time to invest in people and individuals. It's not just about having as many people as possible and let's just invite a ton of people and, 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 and let them come and see who likes it or not. It's investing in people, and that's what Jesus did. He invested in people. And the way for us to, to be able to do that and, and to be ready and prepared for the people that God is bringing is for us to have that solid foundation. And I know that it's, uh, it's cliche to say, well, revival starts with one or revival starts with me, but it really does. It really starts with us as individuals. And I'm, I'm all for outreach and the things that we do to, to draw people in and, and, and for us to, to, to have things that happen that, that bring people. But the truth of the matter is we're seeing now with pandemics and uh, social unrest and injustices, racial unrest and injustices. We're seeing God say, I-, I can have a bigger revival than you can ever do. And I believe that that's what's happening. The separation of the wheat and tares is happening. And God is going to start bringing those people when we're prepared. So it's up to us to have that personal foundation because we have to be able to, to accept them wait for them and let them come in and, and give them this liberating message that they're not hearing anywhere else. Because everything else is based on a worldly system. And what we have, thank you, Jesus, is this word, this truth, this heavenly system, this, this godly knowledge that we can share with them and say, hey, you can cast all of that off. You can repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and the cares of this world should leave you. But they should leave us first. It's up to us to say, okay, I'm going to let these things go. Because, Lord, I have to be prepared. I have to be ready for what you want to do. And the only way to do that is for me to have this personal revival, this revival in the faith that says, Lord, I know, I I accept and remember who you are. I remember the cross message. I remember that moment when I first repented or was first baptized through filled with the Holy Ghost. So it's up to us to have that personal revival first. And I want to look at Paul. And his words to, to Galatia, because I, I, he challenged them a lot. He challenged them, though, with the law, where we are not challenged with that today, but we are challenged with the cares of this world. We are challenged with the spirit of Antichrist that is coming at us and trying to take us from this truth, to take us and, and, and hit our faith and challenge our faith and get us caught up in those things. So I want to take a look at what he said here in Galatians chapter 1, uh, verses 6, 7, and 8. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you and the grace, grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to per, pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And that's what we're being challenged with today in this nation. And, and we get caught up in, in thinking America is, is the only nation sometimes. But the church 
The body of Christ has been persecuted for years, thousands of years. And, and now we're starting to see this tightening come on to us. And we're being challenged with what we believe, being told that what we preach and what we believe is hate when it's actually love. And we have to be ready and able to say, no, this is what this really means. We can't, we can't hit them over the head with it, but we have to say, no, you have to understand, this is a liberating truth. This is a truth that will set you free from those things, the cares that politicians and media is telling you to believe. This is the truth that we need to be sharing with them so that we can understand it starts with me. This revival starts with me, and I want to help you understand it. I want to help you believe this, and it's our faith, our increasing in our faith, and remembering the faith that we have. Lord God, you are one. Lord God, you died on the cross. The things that we we, we sing in church, Jesus loves the little children, red and yellow, black and white, whatever it was, this little light of mine, all the things that we have been taught, the truth that we hear, thankfully, every service from this pulpit and our, our pastor that is preaching truth, biblical truth, the faith in, in, in what we have been taught, the baptism that we've been baptized in, those faith, that foundation is what we have to hold on to because we're going to be we're being challenged in it now, and we're going to continue to be challenged with it. I know on your workplaces or in other environments that you may be, whatever family environments, or just going out now, just it's almost like hiding to pray in a restaurant or whatever it is that, that we sometimes feel like, well, what are they going to think? Well, you know, oh, he's a Christian, so, or she's a Christian, so they are going to react to this that way. I, I remember last year being at a, at a conference and, and, and going to a restaurant afterwards, and uh, the people in the, in the city seemed to be very welcoming, but there was a few people in this particular restaurant that, that weren't, and they started yelling, you know, negative things about God, Christians, Christ, and um, the, re, the, the response wasn't in anger. It was, I felt sorry and bad for this person because I thought the anger and frustration and hate that you have towards people that you know are in town for a, a, a church conference and, and your feelings about God coming out towards these people, towards us, um, my heart hurt for them because I thought you don't, you don't know the love, and I hope and pray that we continue to be able to show love when we're faced with those situations. But it's it's the faith, it's the revival in faith, it's the faith that we have to hold on to. We cannot let go of the faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot let go of the faith that we have in Him and what we know. We walk by faith. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to look at Galatians chapter three, and, and just some of the things that that Paul said. And I was going to start with uh, verse 6, but I think I want to look at um, the full chapter. So verse 1, it says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it 
by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And what I want to focus on here is verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 for a minute. And it says, just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Only those that are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So when those who are of faith are blessed, believing Abraham. And I want to look at just the commentary that I have here in, in my study Bible and look at those uh, scriptures again. And it kind of breaks it down really well here. I really enjoyed what this says. Abraham, whom God had called righteous long before the Mosaic law, was the crucial figure in Paul's scripture, scriptural defense of his teaching. Even more compelling to Paul's argument, Abraham was counted righteous before he himself took the mark of obedience, circumcision, that later set Jews apart from other nations. Paul quoted Genesis 15 and 6 to explain that what Abraham believed, what Abraham believed, his faith, was that God would fulfill his promise to make him a father of innumerable children. Trust is the highest form of praise. Conversely, distrust is the greatest form of condemnation. Therefore, to trust God, as Abraham did, was to pay God the highest compliment. For Abraham's trust signified that he believed in God's promise on the basis of his character and integrity. Abraham embraced God's promise over and against the report of his own senses and experiences, which told him that he and his wife were too old to have children. On the basis of Abraham's trust, God set the seal of approval upon him for Paul. Then Abraham's faith represented the model response to God with who all believe as he did becoming his spiritual children. It's that faith, it's that trust that we have in everything that we, that we know that's in this word, not the trust and the faith in the world. Again, the people that God is bringing, they're gonna need us. They're gonna need us that have been in this, that have this faith, that have this foundation to share with them, to say, hey, here, let me show you the way. And we have to take off the cares of this world. We cannot be a part of this worldly system. We can't serve two masters. We can't be a part of the things that are going on, caught up in the headlines ourselves, caught up in the, in the troubles of this world. Again, none of this has caught, caught God off guard. He's aware of everything that's happening. And he is relying and, and he, he has commissioned us to say, here's the faith that I've given you. Here's the, the word that I've given you. Here's the truth that I've given you. And it's up to us to trust in him now. And say, Lord, I don't care what reports I'm seeing. I don't care about the pestilences I'm seeing. I don't care about the unrest I'm seeing. We definitely need to be, use wisdom. We definitely need to care about those that are being treated unjustly. Because certainly we and certainly Christians throughout the world are being treated unjustly right now. So it's up to us to stand true and hold to this faith and say, okay, I understand. I'm going to read this headline too, and I'm going to, 
uh, when, I, when I'm in this conversation with someone, I'm going to have a little bit of a worldly conversation and a little bit of a godly conversation. No, it has to be fully in this truth. It has to be fully in the word of God. It has to be fully in the faith and then the trust in Jesus Christ that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is the answer. In Jesus' name. And it goes on in verse 10. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live, live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who, dies, who, who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. We know that Jesus did that for us. Verse 12 says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then verse 15 through 18, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise is made, he does not say, and to seeds, as to many, but as to one, and to your seed, who is Christ, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect, for it is the inheritance is the law. For if, for if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Jesus is simply the only thing that this world needs right now. We can't get caught up in, in, in the troubles and, 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 and caught up in the headlines ourselves. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is what we need to be focused on. He is the only thing that we need to be focused on, the only thing that we need to be talking about. Because when we get ourselves caught up into the conversations outside of that, then we are partaking in those things and not doing the commission that we've been uh, assigned to do. We're, we're not fulfilling that. And it's going to tear us down. It's going to weaken us. So if, if we think this is tough, if we think what we're starting to see right now is tough, I, I, I pray for us. I pray for me. I pray for you. I pray for my family because this is just the beginning. Because that, that's what we've been prophesied to. We know that, that um, the, the, the Antichrist is going to continue to oppress and put pressure on, but there's freedom and liberation in Jesus Christ. He is complete freedom, and I'm so thankful for that. And I just want to look, the last scriptures that I want to look at are verses 26 through 29. It says, For you are all sons of God through faith in, in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one to Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed 
and heirs according to the promises. That's the promise that's unto us. That's the promise that God has given us. And I want to close here in just a minute, but I I just want to, again, remind us that the revival starts here. The understanding starts here. The freedom that we need to share with this world starts here. We can't be caught up in in the conversations that are taking place and the social media that's taking place because the revival that God is wanting to bring is separate from that. It's only going to continue. The pressure is only going to continue. And it's up to people of faith. It's up to people of God. It's up to people that have that solid foundation. It's up to us knowing this is the faith that I stand on. This is the truth. This is what's going to see us through. There's no pestilence. There's no injustice. There's nothing. It says neither neither Jew nor Greek, neither Jew nor Greek, neither free nor bond. That's who we are. That's what we are. And that's the truth that this world is so desperately seeking. There's not going to be any answers by any legislation or politicians or media certainly is not going to give us any answers. There's no other answers. So it's that personal revival. It's that personal relationship with God. It's that prayer closet. It's that fasting time. It's that desire to get closer to God and and get away from this world. I remember a story I heard from uh, a preacher I heard an old message um, somewhere, I think on YouTube, um, of a message probably 70 years ago or so. And this preacher had converted this Indian chief. And and this Indian chief came and said, oh, pastor, I I struggle every day. It's just a continued fight every day. And and, and it's it's this constant battle to do good or to to do bad. And he said, well, well, who's winning? And he said, well, it's like a dog that's inside of me that one is good, or it's like two dogs inside of me. One's good and one's bad, and, and they're constantly fighting. And he said, well, who's winning? And he said, it's the one that I feed the most. It's the one that I feed the most. So in this day, I remember being young uh, again and, and hearing um, about God's coming. God's coming. He could come at any moment. But then the underlying message was always, we're going to see these things. Things that back then I never dreamed that we would see. So that was always the underlying message. And I remember, you know, many times when, with my understanding of, of the rapture at that time, coming home to an empty house when there should have been people there and thinking, oh, Lord, was this it? Did I miss it? Did I miss it? And calling people or whatever I had to do to make sure that... Um, I didn't miss it. But that was always the underlying message was, well, we're going to see these things happen. Now, today, the message is God is coming, but we are seeing these things. We're now seeing these things unfold. These things happen that even a year ago, I never imagined that church, churches would be mandated for a while to be closed. Um, that's something that we just never dreamed we would see. And again, the persecution that we see here in this nation and, and what I pray that we don't have to see, but that Christians see in other nations is, is, is terrible. And, and, and the, the attack is on. But the liberation of Jesus Christ, the faith in Jesus Christ is the freedom. That's what we need to continue to keep our eye on. Keep that personal revival because when people come in, we can't get caught up in, in, in things that are going to complicate them or or they're not going to understand about the word yet. 
Uh, we just need to show them that it's liberating, that here's the faith and here's the good news and that it is good news and that you can dwell in this and that they can come in and have faith. They don't need to be caught up in the bondages of sin. They need to understand that it doesn't matter if you sin today, repent, die daily, keep fighting this good fight, keep the faith, keep fighting this fight, and we need to be the ones to tell them. So if we need to be encouraged, we need to have that personal revival. Paul talks about when he first, uh, when, when Jesus first saved him and, and called him out of Damascus, it took him three years roughly to go to Jerusalem. And then I believe it was another 13 years after that. So he spent some time getting close to God. If we need to go back and, and, and get that first love, if we need to go back and, and have that fresh revival and that feeling that we felt when we first felt that overwhelming sense of love, that presence of love from God at an altar or at our home or when we were reading the word, when we were in prayer, when we were listening to praise and worship music, we need to go back to that. We need to continue in the faith so the church can multiply and grow. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray for a personal revival for each one of us, for a revival in the faith, to remember who he is and that he is the great one. He is the one that's going to save. He is the one that's going to prick hearts and bring people in. We just need to go ahead and, 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 and share this love with them. In Jesus' name, can you pray with me? Lord, I praise you, God. I worship you, Jesus. Help us, Lord God, to remember, Lord God, that it's you, that it's your word, that it's your truth. Lord Jesus, that's what we need to stay in, Jesus. Keep us in this faith, God. Keep us in your word, God. Keep us in your truth, God. Help us, Lord God, in Jesus' name, to withstand the enemy and the attacks of the enemy, God. Put a hedge of protection around our families, around our congregation, around our churches, God, around your body, God. Put a hedge of protection around us, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, speak to us, Lord God. Lead us and guide us. Prick hearts, God. Bring them, Lord Jesus, and help us. Prepare us, Lord Jesus, to receive them, to welcome them, and to share this faith, this truth. In Jesus' name, I praise you, God. I give you glory. In Jesus' name, we thank you again for joining us. Uh, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, amen.